The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The decisions you make in your health choices can truly reflect the current and future course of your life. Welcome to Wise Chats, Simple Talk, Profound Wisdom, with your host, Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Our show will bring leading-edge expertise to deep challenges faced by individuals and humanity. We'll draw on ancient wisdom as well as the latest research from our diverse guests. Now, here is Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook. Welcome to Wise Chats. This is our seventh episode, and the topic today is life beyond life. What's next and how to get ready? Stories from a nurse healer and psychotherapist. How can this be? Am I imagining this? No one prepared me for what I have and am experiencing. Should I take the risk to share my multidimensional stories? Yes, the time is now to tell my stories of life beyond life. It's not that I want or need to convince you or anyone there is a life beyond life. I simply want to share my ultra-real experiences in my truth over a 36-year journey in helping individuals and families heal and grow. What you do or don't do in your life can and will affect your afterlife experience. The power is in your hands to shape your path to explore new territory and come to peace with death and dying. You can choose to ignore the opportunity or embrace it. I will be giving guidelines and insights on how to get ready for life beyond life. What you do or don't do matters and makes a difference. The discussion will include contact with angels, spiritual guides, stories from my faculty and clients, and from those who are in the process of dying or have passed. I'd like to dedicate this show to Dr. Candace Pert who was the chief of the section on brain biochemistry of the clinical neuroscience branch of the National Institute of Mental Health. She recently passed on September the 12th, 2013. She was featured in the film, What the Bleep Do We Know? in Bill Moyer's TV program, Healing in the Mind. She is author of the book, Molecules of Emotion, The Scientific Basis Behind the Mind-Body Medicine. And I'm dedicating this to her, not only uh, to recognize her work from the past, but also to give insights and direction on how you can help heal 
and moved to a better place. She and her son made a CD titled Healing the Hurt, Sharing the Light. And in this CD that is available on her website, she and her son have captured the frequencies through their scientific effort and paired them with different tones and sounds. And in the words of Candace Pert, she gives guidelines and support and help to have you look at your life and move to a new place. So one of the things this show is about, as I mentioned, is stories from a nurse healer and psychotherapist. These stories are from my practice over the years. Some of them were gained as I was co-founder and director of training of hospice in Salt Lake in Utah during the 1970s. In that role, I became intimately aware of individuals, families, and communities' needs during dying and death. Walking with a person and family during the dying process enriches one life beyond words. Opening to see on the other side, however, came not in that role, but through my early spiritual life. Spirits started coming to me speaking at an early age, but this ability did not take shape until my adult life. During my studies and teaching of healing touch and throughout my own work as a family therapist and psychotherapist, doors open to other dimensions as I develop senses beyond the ordinary five senses. I became a channel to receive and give messages to clients from the other side and vice versa. Some of my presentations include the Rhine Center in North Carolina, an international community dedicated to research and discovery of the paranormal, as well as other professional meetings. I want to start with Spirit leads us to what our next path is. One day when I was traveling to a workshop site, I went into Starbucks to get a cup of coffee. And while I went over to put some sugar and cream in it, um, there was a woman who was standing there looking very distressed. And I usually don't initiate conversations with strangers, but at this time I did with her. And I said, how are you doing today? She looked at me and she said, not very well. Uh, My father is dying and I'm going home to be there with him. I knew with those words that I was called into service. I was called to be help and support to her with her process. So I asked her what was happening and she began to describe that her father, who is aged, had become ill and they hadn't spoken in a while and she was terrified to go to her bed, his bedside and to deal with him during this time. And I said to her, one of the greatest times in our lives is sharing with our loved ones at the end being there with them and for them. I told her that I had 
been in this role in um, my position of director of training of hospice and that I found as we take the time to talk about our experiences candidly with our loved ones, we can make and produce profound healing both for them and us. And that even though I knew this was going to be a difficult challenge for her, that if she went with an open heart and the willingness to share with her dad what was in her heart and be present with him and for him, that all would be well. She thanked me for my words. And as I walked away, I saw an energy following, following her and felt she was more at peace. I want to describe a couple experience where these insights have come from. And uh, I'm going to start first, though, with a wellness intention. The one that I chose for today's show is let go and let God. Holding on to havoc creates in our lives trauma when we attach ourselves to our pain, whether it is physical, emotional, mental, or spiritual. Be in the moment, in the here and now. Direct your attention to something that lifts up your soul, even though it may seem to be a difficult technique, it brings rich rewards as you master it. The first personal encounter <clears throat> with the other side, life beyond life, I'd like to talk about, is an encounter with angels. This was occurred when I was flying in New Zealand from Wellington to Christchurch. And I realized I hadn't said a prayer that I usually do before I go on a journey. And so I took a moment and said a prayer for a safe journey. The moment I finished the prayer, I saw an angel underneath the wings of the plane, and it looked like the angel was holding up the plane. And I remember thinking, what an odd picture. I wonder what that means. We were making a very steep descent into Christchurch, and all at once, I realized this wasn't a normal descent. And shortly after that, the captain came on and said not to worry that he had to circle around and make another approach to landing that uh, his path wasn't clear. I looked out the window, and this time I saw the angel standing on top of the wings, and we indeed had a smooth landing. Was that true or not true? Again, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm just sharing my experiences. Connecting with spirit guides, I'm going to be talking about working with a monk in Western Australia. During this time, he was a teacher at Notre Dame University and a good friend of one of my students when I was teaching at uh, Edith Cowath Cohen University in Perth, Western Australia. I had done quite a bit to help this friend of mine and student, and he invited me to work with his colleague who was a monk. So in my original 
session with him, I started seeing pictures around him. And at one point, um, the word came to me of humor, and I didn't quite know what it meant. And I described some other scenes that I won't mention at this time. But what the monk said to me is that he was completing his PhD, and what he was studying was on the topic that I had said. And he named the life of the person who he was uh, looking at. And both he and I talked about this, what I was sharing and some of the things I was seeing relating to other time frames and lifetimes was not part of the Catholic Church teaching that was readily made available to others. What he said to me, though, my words resonated deep within him, and he was able to come to peace with the issue he brought before me for us to work on. This other story comes from in Hawaii. I had a group of students, and we were out on a walk during a break, and they were asking me, how do you connect with nature spirits? How do you learn to read the signs and that someone or something is trying to reach you in another dimension. And I said to them, oh, it's really not as hard that you think. And I said, well, let's stop here a moment and look around and tell me if you see anything different. So we paused and all of us looked around our environment. And I noticed, I said, here, look at on the top of this It wasn't exactly a mountain, but it was a very large hill. And I said, look at that rock up there. It has what looks like a cross in it. Now, rocks don't usually have a cross like that in them. And I said, that's one of the things I would note is a sign that needs to be paid attention to. So the students paused and looked at it, and everyone agreed it wasn't a usual thing that they saw. And I said, the next step then is to tune in to what you notice and see what you get. What came to me, and I said out loud to the group of five students who were with me on this walk, I said, it looks as if this is a spot where people commit suicide. And there is a lot of pain associated with this hill And trauma occurs where people feel very desperate and they come up here and the only thing that they can think of doing is committing suicide. And after the words were out of my mouth, I turned to one of the women who was from Hawaii and from that particular area and she confirmed that indeed this was a place where many suicides had taken place. And what I said to them, we are being shown this to bring about change and healing, not only for those who have committed suicide here, but for their families, and also to change the energy of despair and destruction and change it into one of light, so that those who come up here with that in mind will find other things to inspire them and help them to choose something different. 
The next experience I want to talk about are client experiences. As I mentioned to you, I am a nurse psychotherapist, having taught that in the university for many years and also practice, uh, having a private practice on the side. And during my work in Carborough, North Carolina, where I was living for 20 plus years, a mental health professional came to see me, actually at the encouragement of his wife. And they were working on their relationships and we spent time doing that. And at another time, uh, we worked individually together. I would receive messages uh, for him from his spiritual guidance And he kept saying, I wish I could get the information myself directly rather than having to go through you. And what had occurred is I saw an outreaching hand to him about six inches away that was trying to reach him and give him inspiration, and he couldn't quite connect. So very quickly, I said to him, without thinking, you have about six more inches to go until you can connect with your spiritual guidance. And what I meant and why I'm telling you this is there are times we may desire to connect with our spiritual guidance, but put obstacles in our path. One other story is from St. John's, Newfoundland, when I was professor in nursing at Memorial University there. And uh, I had been teaching some courses on the side. And one gentleman who was a high school principal, he, at the encouragement of his wife, both of them came and participated in my classes. After a while, he quickly surpassed his wife and uh, spiritual guidance was coming directly to him. And at one point, he said to me, I think I'm getting a new guide coming in, but I can't seem to see her or connect with her. It's like she shows her face and then hides behind a tree. And then one day when we were having a session together, uh, he completed a piece of work. And then the guide came out from behind the tree and directly began to relate to him And this will give you an example of when our spiritual guidance is always there for us, but at times we don't know how to connect. We may need others to support us to develop a connection, but all of us really have the opportunity to do that. I'm taking a chance of talking about these topics so candidly because the time has come to do this and now. A few more experiences I want to share with you. One is I was at a fire station in uh, Calgary, Alberta, Canada, where one of my friend's uh, husband was a firefighter there, and they invited me to get together and see where he worked. What I saw was beyond my expectation. This may be difficult for some of you to understand, but again, I go back to, it is my truth. I saw a spirit that had attached 
itself to the fire engine. And what the story was that I found out later is when this, uh, uh, the fireman came to his rescue, he had died on the scene and he really didn't know that he died. And so he attached himself to the fire engine, hoping that he could find his physical body and not be in spirit form. Again, I go back to these are some of the things that we need to begin to look at. And I'm going back to the story with the monk from Western Australia and tell you an additional piece. The monastery where he was from, a group of us who were on tour with me, went to this site. And at the time, one of the women who was a professor in nursing in New South Wales, she kept saying she was also very intuitive that she needed to go with us, with me on this tour that something important was about to happen. I'm not sure if you're aware, but the Aborigines were taken, the children were taken away from their parents and put in homes. And in this particular case, some of them were sent to this particular monastery. One of the things the monks did is they did allow the parents to come <clears throat> to the area, but they were not actually able to interact with the children. And what I experienced there is both the wailing of the mothers who were not able to make contact with their children and separated from them. Their souls were not in peace. A story from my own life is when my mother had been critically ill throughout most of her life. And my sister and I would frequently say to ourselves, I wonder if this is going to be the last time we see mom. And I would try various things with her to support her in her process. And at one point, um, she had become critically ill my sister was in Newfoundland taking care of my children while I was on the road teaching. And my sister and I had a discussion whether I should leave where I was to go to my mother's bedside or uh, should I come home and then she go down to be with my mom. I said, well, let me go there first and then I'll come home. And what I did is I was teaching a workshop on, I got the first plane out I could, but it wasn't until my presentation was over. And I decided to do, um, talk about what I was experiencing. And what I did was share my experiences uh, with my mom dying. And let a meditation honoring your parents in order to bring peace and closure on the important things in your life. I caught a plane and flew directly home, went to my mother's bedside in the hospital, and my mother said to me, I was going towards a light and all at once something called me back. They had taped my presentation and I played it for my mother and father in disbelief, 
it was at the time when I was honoring my mother and father that it called my mother back into her body. And so what I have found over the years is that there are things when you are open to experiences, they can happen to you. And these are just a few of the many stories that occurred. I'm going to tell one funny story to lighten the thing. This is when my sister had surgery this past year. Her husband and I were in the waiting room uh, waiting for the process. We actually had gone to go eat supper or eat breakfast and while waiting for her. And my dog, our dog as a child, Spotty, appeared. And I'm looking and starting to laugh. And I said to my brother-in-law, I can't believe this, but our dog as a child has come uh, and is here while we're here. And then I saw the dog run off and come back and uh, said to me that he was going to check on my sister during her surgery and he would keep us informed what was going on. Well, he and I, my brother-in-law and I, laughed and laughed and laughed about the process, but that's actually what occurred. So there are not always serious kinds of things, uh, but there are lighthearted things as well. And there are numerous stories I can share with you that not only I experienced, but some of my faculty in a later show uh, on talking about caring for animals some additional stories like this will be shared. But now we're coming to our break, and when I come back, I'd like to give you some insights of how to deal with this and be prepared. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Visit the Energy Medicine Partnerships website at www.energymedicinepartnerships.com for workshops, classes, and special events promoting health and healing. These holistic programs are available for both health professionals and lay individuals. Water Lily Press NC provides the teaching materials for these programs, and you can find a link to Water Lily Press NC when you visit EnergyMedicinePartnerships.com. While you're on the site, you may also check out Akamai University's Distant Education Programs, where Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook is Director of the Complementary Therapies Programs. Akamai University offers postgraduate diploma clinical education programs preparing clinicians, practitioners, and specialists in complementary therapies, as well as both master's and doctoral education in complementary therapies. For more information about Akamai University, visit akamaiuniversity.us. That's A-K-A-M-A-I university.us. And for more information about Energy Medicine Partnerships, visit energymedicinepartnerships.com. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. 
Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Wise Chats, simple talk, profound wisdom. To reach Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook or today's guest, please call us at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Mary Jo at energymedicinepartnerships.com. Now, back to Wise Chats. Welcome back to the show. I want to tell you a story about one of the seniors that I worked with at Carolina Meadows a couple years ago. My friend who uh, works regularly with the seniors there uh, was sharing some of her experiences with one of our, her seniors who was also a good friend of mine. Her name is Dorothy. Dorothy... <clears throat> Uh, The episodes that uh, my friend shared, I said, it sounds to me like Dorothy is getting ready to die. Sure enough, about three weeks later, Dorothy had a heart attack and almost died, but didn't. I went to see her and uh, was met with a woman who was very, very angry. She also is a nurse, and she said to me, I didn't die, and I wanted to die. I can't believe it. I should have died. And I said, hang on there. You didn't, and now we need to make the best of it. And just then, her daughter walked in the room and tried to be attentive to her, and she was just as cantankerous as she could be. And she said to her, quit fussing around me. Her daughter got mad and angry, and left the room. And I'm thinking, this is not very good. So Dorothy and I were there alone, and I looked at her, and I said, is this the way, is this the memory you want your children to have of you, being angry and cantankerous? And she said, no, I don't. I said, well, you're going to have to change, because the experience that they had that I just witnessed is not good. And you have said hurtful things to your daughter. Well, I didn't mean to be hurtful to her. It's just that she was fussing around me. I said, Dorothy, you need to figure out how to deal with this. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to bring you a notebook tomorrow. And on the front of the book, I want you to write down the things you want your children to remember you by. And in the back of the book, put all the things that you're cantankerous about. And I'll help you to deal with them instead of you spitting bullets, which is like what you're doing. She said, oh, all right, I'll do that. And really, throughout her time after that, If she would get mad at something, she'd look at, and my friend would report this because she saw her more often, and she said, this is one of those things Mary Jo told me I need to write down in the book. And so where's that book? I'm going to write it down. 
The important thing is for each of us to look at our lives. And it doesn't necessarily mean when you are senior, but what it can mean is whatever age you are, to look at, is your life what you want it to be? Are you carrying grudges? Have you not forgiven someone? Is there anger stored in you? Do you feel life has shortchanged you? Whatever is your story, I'm going to recommend to you a process. It's called Storytelling Process Clearing Soul Light. This format, and I'll just say it slowly for you, and you may need to listen to it again to hear the different steps. But I'm going to read a feeder line to you, and then you fill in the blanks. So I invite you to write the feeder line down now, and at a later time, go in and fill it in. And usually it's about a paragraph, and but what it will do, it will help you to work through your process of what's going on in your life. It's based on the energy centers. There are seven major ones that we have. And each one of these energy centers deal with a different aspect of light. The first question is, my soul is, then fill in the blanks. My soul is. The second question to complete is, I feel, I feel. The third question is thinking about the situation, I, thinking about the situation, I. The fourth question is, my heart is, My heart is, the fifth question, I need to speak to, name the person, and say what you want to say or need to say, and you haven't taken the time to say. So the fifth question is, I need to speak to, and I need to say. The sixth question is the future seems, the future seems. The seventh question is spiritually I am, spiritually I am. Those seven questions can be a tool to help you examine your life And as you write the answers down, it will help you to get to a new state of peace and contentment. Some of the things to help you to get to a good place is surrendering into the process, learning to make peace within and without, noticing where you hurt and why will give you clues to unfinished business. 
Do you feel a heaviness on your chest? That's usually a sign there's some things that you need to get off your chest that have been bothering you, or you have closed your heart. Another example would be if you're having trouble with your eyes. It may mean that you're not looking clearly at what is in front of you or what is hair hidden and buried deep within inside. If you're having pain in your legs or your joints, it may mean you can't move freely, that you're holding on to things that need to be examined and to let go. Some of the key strategies that I'll mention for you are to take time and reflect where you have been and where you are going. Be truthful. There's no one you need to trick, including yourself. You want to get at the deep issues that are there and bothering you. So be truthful to yourself. A lot of times what can work is if you talk out loud in a place where you um, like to be and uh, be reflective. <clears throat> and actually speaking issues out loud can help to work them through. And then, as I said before, surrender into the process. Pray for guidance and insight. And it can be a something as simple as, please help me, show me the way. If you are afraid of dying or afraid of losing someone, take time to face that and notice what is there. When my brother-in-law's mother died, I had spent time with her before that process and she became critically ill when I was on the road and flying to South America. I received word that she had died, and while I was sitting in the airport praying and connecting with my family, his mother appeared to me, and she said to me, please call my son and tell him that I'm okay, and that when he works through his grief, he will be able to connect with me directly. I did that, and we were able to have a conversation about his mom and talk through some of the things that were on his mind. An important ingredient in dealing with this work is opening your heart. Feel free to be who you are. Just as I am being free and talking about some things that sound way off the page, particular for a healthcare professional. But this is my truth, and it is time to share it. When Dr. Elizabeth Kubler Ross, who was the leading expert in the field around death and dying, I have read her many books and studied her work for a long time. And I'm remembering that when she first started her work, 
and tried in the hospital that she was in to connect with dying patients and talk to them, the physicians, her colleagues, would not recommend anyone to work with her. And it's as if no one was dying in the hospital. An important thing is to reach out to others for support. We aren't meant to live life alone. We're meant to be in relationship with others, talking it through, thinking it through, being in silence. Each of us has a different style that works for us. Pay attention to what you need and follow your own path. An important thing is mending fences. And as I mentioned to you, the story of Dorothy, and that is absolutely true. Every one of these vignettes I'm giving you are from my practice and my experience. She needed to mend fences with many people in order to die in peace. Dying is something all of us are going to face for ourselves, for our loved ones, including our parents, and for some, for your children, for your friends, for your colleagues. It touches all of our lives. Learning how to support another, being present is critical and finding ways to be genuine in your response is what is needed. I'm reminded by when one of my colleagues' mother had died, and as we were preparing to go to the funeral, I decided to do something different. And again, stepping out of the box is risky, But what I chose to do is I gathered a plant to take to my friend and wrote a special message to her as I tuned in to her mother who had died and shared with her what she had said. While at the funeral home, my friend and I went to the side and I shared with her the gift and the message that I had written on a piece of paper for her to read at a later time and that we could discuss it. There are times we can look at the process connected to funerals and what's in our society. In different culture, they do different things that are part of the norm. And it's important to honor and respect the ritual that is needed to bring peace to those involved. There is time we need to make peace with people in our lives who have hurt us in some way. So forgiving and getting to a new place is critical. I want to draw attention to the work of Dr. Eben Alexander, New York bestseller in his book, Proof of Heaven, A Neurosurgeon's Journey into the Afterlife, that was published in 2012. 
Eben Alexander, who I met in June of this year, is transformed because of his near-death experience. What occurred to him? He spent 55 years honoring his scientific worldview until a rare illness left him in a coma. Later, he awoke from a transcendental near-death experience. He reports his lessons from beyond in the New York Times bestseller book, Proof of Heaven, that is also on audiobook. I first listened, first seen um, Dr. Alexander in person and speaking to him at the Association of Comprehensive Energy Psychology's annual meeting in June. And then later listened to his audio tape that is in his own voice. And I especially would like to recommend that to you for those of you who um, enjoy listening to audio tapes. Hearing his words and his story and him telling his story is quite an experience. In Proof of Heaven, he was shocked to find, he reports, the hyper-reality of a spiritual realm which many others had reported having after a near-death experience. Since his illness, Dr. Alexander has sought to reconcile his rich spiritual experience with contemporary physics and cosmology. He had been an academic neurosurgeon for the last 25 years, including 15 years at the Brigham and Women's and the Children's Hospital and Harvard Medical School in Boston. During his academic career, he authored or co-authored more than 150 chapters and papers in peer-reviewed journals, and he made more than 200 presentations at conferences. Now, he is moving in a new direction with his life, while on November the 10th in 2008, He lapsed into a coma caused by a rare and mysterious bacterial meningitis encephalitis of unknown causes. He spent a week in coma on a ventilator. His prospects for survival diminished rapidly. On the seventh day, he awoke with memories of a fantastic journey deep into another realm. It is this realm that he recounts in his book. His story offers a crucial key to the understanding of reality and human consciousness and how we view spirituality, soul, and the non-material realm. In analyzing his experience, including the scientific possibilities and grand implication, Alexander envisions a more complete reconciliation of modern science and spirituality. What is real? What is not real? His brain stopped working that his many years in medical school taught him to use that was responsible for creating all of his life for the world he knew. That part of him 
the brain was down and out. He entered a world despite all of this that was characterized above all with love, consciousness, and reality. He then asked the question, how was I going to create room for both of these realities to coexist? That was Eben's question to himself, and perhaps the question that fits for what I shared with you today. How are you going to take in this information? Are you? Will you do something about your life in preparing for life beyond life? It is in your hands. Don't leave it up for chance. The challenge is yours. I am only here to describe some of my experiences, tell my truth, and share insights along the way that has helped many in my journey as a nurse healer, educator, and psychotherapist. Eben did his training close by where I am in North Carolina, the University of Chapel Hill and Duke Medical Center, two places where I have taught and practiced. The energy is out there now. Those of us who are open to looking at some of the hard questions in a new way have been pulled from our comfortable lifestyle into a new journey, one that's filled with many surprises. Nothing in my career or in my childhood experience prepared me for what my life has become. I heard a voice when I was 18 years old that I was to be a nurse. I had wanted to be a physicist. Being a nurse was the last thing I wanted to do. But I honored that voice and went into the nursing profession. Later on, when I was a sophomore in college, I heard another voice. That voice told me I was going to do spiritual work. And at the time, I thought it meant to be a nun. And I go, I don't think that's my path. But now I understand what my path is, is helping to awaken in many people's hearts the journey to their own spiritual base. We can all face the difficult times or not. Don't be afraid when someone is dying and avoid them. Be a loving presence. That really is all that's needed. Be there. Be silent at times. Connect with their energy. Be open to receive. And allow things to flow to you and through you. When energy gets stuck... In you, that is how we get lost in our grieving process. It's important 
to learn ways to move beyond that. I like the term that Eben used called the ultra real. That was one of his chapters. And he quoted Kierkegaard, who said, there are two ways to be fooled. One is to believe what isn't true. The other is to refuse to believe what is true. I've shared with you my truth. I invite you to examine your truth and share yours with me. I leave you with the following, all is well. The wellness affirmation that I'm closing with is dwell in the holy presence that offers nourishment for the soul. This divine light and love can fill you up and promote all healing. The affirmation, I open my life to the holy presence to guide and direct me. Again, look for Candace Pert's CD. It's titled Healing the Hurt, Sharing the Light. And it's a wonderful resource for you to use in addition to some of the insights I shared. So goodbye for now. We are at the end of today's show. I am grateful for my family, my friends, my teachers, my students and clients, and my three boys, Harry, Bill, and Jim, who have made this journey called Life Rich Indeed and shared many my ultra-real experiences. To them, I am grateful for having been in my life. Thanks to all of you who are listening and many blessings on your journey now and for life beyond life. This is Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook signing off with Wise Chats. Aloha until we meet again. Thanks again for being a part of Wise Chats. Please join your host, Dr. Mary Jo Bulbrook, again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America's 7th Wave Channel. We hope that you have a great week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.